Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Content Creators University. For those of you who do not know me, my name is JP Hatek. I am a cinematographer, software developer, and branding expert. After several years in the industry, I've decided to open this digital master school to help any content creator level up and impact in this world with the things and tools that we need. As we understand technology is what this is all about and technology is always, always growing. So this is a platform that's gonna teach us the things that we need to understand to keep growing, to keep impacting, and to keep evolving so that we can be the best version of ourselves and truly, truly get the things that we need to take our endeavors, our businesses, our vision to the destination it needs to get. So welcome, buckle up uh, for this episode. Let's get started. Let's go. How's it going? It's good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to join the Content Creators University to share your expertise. Like we always say, you are going to be our professor today. <laughs> all right. I will do my best. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I'm excited about your expertise, excited about your background and how you've been evolving through all the years and how you got to the place you're at today. But before we get into all of that, I know there's some folks listening to the podcast or watching the video right now. Uh, they're wondering, who is this guy? Take a minute, introduce yourself to them, please. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And thanks for everyone who's watching right now or listening in. Uh, so my name is Jeff Bull. I'm currently a developer, uh, developer advocacy manager for Cisco DevNet. Um, DevNet is an organization within Cisco, the, the technology Cisco, focused on developer, developer relations, advocacy, essentially getting out to the community that we serve, the various communities, and helping them find their path to learning about things like programmability and automation of IT systems, infrastructure systems, and application development. So it's a lot of fun. I've been in this role for about a year now, been at Cisco for around six years. Um, and prior to that, I, I mean, I've always been in IT operations. It's been a thing my entire career, but content creation has been something for me, at least in the last seven to eight years, becoming bigger and bigger, a bigger and bigger part of my life and my career. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for that amazing introduction. And you let and set up the segue for my next question so perfectly. You just said that content creation has been something that's been growing uh, in your life and in your heart more and more as, you know, lately, right? As the time is going by, the years are passing. And my next question is why? Why do you think other people just like you are more and more creating content or interested in starting a content creation journey? Where do you think that's coming from? Oh my gosh. How long do we actually have? I mean, because I think this question could be answered over like hours. Um, I think at base, at least from my perspective, it comes down to storytelling. So whether or not you as an individual or as a community or a group, think about it actively. Stories are the way that we communicate complex information to an audience that may not understand it. You know, and the base at base thousands of years ago, stories came out of how we pass on information to our children, to the young, complicated things about life and how to survive and all these things that, you know, the rudimentary form of it, mm -hmm. we can't teach some of those things to a kid or not effectively, they're not going to understand. So stories came right. out that way. You know, it, it evolved into a, a medium and a way that you can pass along information to an audience that may not understand the same things you do, but in a way that relates to them and they can infer their own experiences into. And so from my perspective, 
whether we actively think about it or not, stories are, we, we do content creation and most people who gravitate to any form of content creation, be it video, podcasts, whatever it happens to be, they do it because they have a story or a set of stories they want to tell. And so they start creating these things as a way to pass along that information. You know, thinking about when I was a kid, my dad had a camcorder, we'd go fishing or what have you. He always wanted to record everything happening. That was a form <laughs> of storytelling for later right. on. It, it may have been cheesy, but it conveyed emotions and a story for later on. And now what we have the ability to do with all these you know, digital platforms, any digital platform, is to get send that same story to such a broad audience. Um, and it allows everyone to have a unique voice because we're all unique. We, you know, mm-hmm. To think that you're going to be the same as somebody else, like, I don't want to do the same thing this other person is doing. I don't, you know, to some degree, the semantics, like a, we can get into the studio stuff in a little right. bit. The semantics, sure, you want to not duplicate somebody else. You want to be yourself. But at the end of the day, you're going to speak in your own voice. You're going to talk about things from your own perspective. That makes your story unique. There's not much else you have to do other than just talk like yourself, and your story will be different than somebody else's. Um, I love that. Yeah, so I that's kind of the basis yep. for what did it for me. I love that. And, uh, you know, um, that is – I'm looking at how our lives have changed today, right? How everybody discovered that, oh, snap, literally we need to rethink the way we've been living. So now I want to share more of my experience. I want to share. I want to connect with people more. I want to rely more on the technology that I have that I've been, you know, dismissing for a while. I didn't even understand it. Or I've, been, I've had this camera. I just bought it because of uh, Black Friday or a deal that I got. Mm-hmm. But I've never really dived into it. Now I want to take the time to learn because I believe I can not only create good content with that and share my story with the world. But I can monetize with it. And that is a big deal for a lot of content creators where we, yes, want to create content because we love doing it. But we also think of monetization, how to really make a life or a living off mm-hmm. of our creation. Now, here we are. We have, you know, busy lives where we have a job, we have a business or uh, self-employed and things like that. But at the same time, we want to pursue this content creation journey. Now, this is something you've been juggling for a long time. First, let me ask you, how did you end up from an IT professional creating content on YouTube? Share your story with us a little oh bit. Oh my gosh, it is, a, it is a very, probably like most people, it's a really strange and sort of roundabout thing, but I'll try not to keep it to be too long of a story. Um, <laughs> for a long time, years and years mm-hmm. ago, um, I, I was a home brewer, so I brewed my own beer for a long time. Um, I didn't stop until a, a few years back when my son was born. It was just too hard to be in the garage and doing that all day long. That right. said, I did it for a long time. And for, after a while, I was like, you know, I can share this information with people. That might be kind of fun. So I started a blog years ago called bullseyebrewco.com. Long, long time ago. That doesn't exist anymore. And I wrote. Right. I did a little bit of writing here and there, and it was fun. Um, and what that got me into is realizing I was taking pictures and sharing things about the home brewing that we were doing. And fast forward a couple of years, I moved back from Nevada to California. So I'm, I'm, I actually live in the East Bay. I'm about 20 minutes east of Oakland. We used to okay. live a little bit north of San Francisco in kind of beer country. I'm going to even say wine country. It is, but <laughs> I call it beer country. And because of the things I had been doing, I ended up getting into the beer industry a lot. And so I would do a lot of home brewing events where I would judge home brewing events. I would judge beer events or I'd work for breweries, et cetera. And what, it, what my wife at the time – now my wife at the time was my girlfriend. She was encouraging me to do – she was in digital marketing, she has been for a long time, was share more. And I started doing video, and I was on a video with somebody even for a minute. She was like, mm-hmm. you're really comfortable with this. Most people in your industry are not. Why don't you just do more of that? Okay. So I started, you know, when Instagram was a thing, it first became a thing, but even prior to that, 
I started recording videos or doing little videos here and there wherever I could or interviewing somebody. And I was, I felt found myself really comfortable on camera. Even if I felt insecure, mm-hmm. I was comfortable in front of that lens. And so I just started doing more of that. And what it ended up translating into is in my IT career, specifically when I came to work for Cisco, I was in sales initially, in technical sales. And something that was highly encouraged by marketing at our company was people who tend to use social media to get the word out about sales, not mm-hmm. here buy my product, I'm putting that up as a listing, but creating a digital relationship with people who can consume your content and feel more comfortable with what you're talking about likely will end up influencing your customers because they'll see you and will mm-hmm. make them want to talk to you more often. You know, you're kind of influencing them to a degree to make them feel more comfortable because they're kind of getting to know you and then seeing the human right. side of you. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So I'm like, this is great. I'll just post on LinkedIn and all these different networks. And after I did that for a bit for my own company at our big public events, you know, customer events and things, I started realizing this is actually a lot of fun just to do myself. Why don't I just make some of my own videos? And so I did. I would sit in my truck or my car outside and hold my phone up and just, you know, record a video like this and quickly edit an <laughs> iMovie. Anything that I could do to like minimize the time to posting. So right. I, I had read someplace that encouraged me to say, don't think about it. Don't even worry about it in the beginning. You just need to get this content from here onto YouTube as quickly as possible to get the momentum of doing it. I'm like, all right, fair enough. So I would just do it, open up my iMovie on my iPhone and just quickly do a couple of things. Mm-hmm. They'll use the little tools here to add an intro and an outro and then I would throw it on YouTube. They didn't look amazing, but I was doing it. It got like created some momentum for me and that's led to the organization I'm in now in Cisco where a large part of my job and, and the, the role that my team has is getting out there talking about these things. So I do a lot of other work for them that's all live video or recorded video or even audio-based things. And it's it's been creating more momentum for me to do other projects on my own, whether it's my own channel, my Star Wars content, things like that. And then even talking to you is like getting me mo- motivated to what it's, I would say this this journey to like to, the place I'm in now of making content isn't mm-hmm. stopping. And I don't think it ever actually stops. You're always having to find what works and what doesn't work. And you error correct kind of all the time. Find something that's like, ah, you know what? That's not really working anymore. I'll put it off to the side and come do something else. Maybe I come back later on. Maybe I change my tact. And I think it's always changing. You just, it takes some time to get to the place where your your momentum is going. Now you have to figure out what is it you actually want to be doing. And I don't think that ever stops. I think you're kind of always just figuring out like what path do I want to take? And that's going to change, you know, every other day sometimes. Nice, nice. Now, I'm loving your story because, I mean, that's eclectic, right? The, the way you 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 came to the things you're doing now is just like, hey, guess what? This is what I do. Let me try this a little bit. Let me talk about what I love. Uh, let me share with the world and see what happens, right? That doesn't hurt. Let me just post it out there. And from there, you, you landed a job or at least it opened a pathway for you to be where you are today, which is fantastic. Um, now, I'm, I, I want to switch or, you know, pivot a little bit um, in regards to a lot of the things we're hearing in today's, uh, you know, uh, relations in regards to content creation uh, when it comes to business and content creation, right? A lot of business owners or a lot of businesses, right, are really embracing the content creation um, world today or they want to point somebody that will you know handle their creation their presence on social media and more specifically on youtube right or a podcast that will indirectly right reroute the customer back to them um in you know selling service a product or anything that that might be uh, encompassed in the conversation that the person is holding so they're appointing people more and doing that and hiring you know a team like you just sharing now it didn't used to be like that, right? It didn't used to be like that. Now, uh, businesses are thinking, huh, 
there is something to be done here. This is a platform where I should invest in. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that a business today can survive without necessarily um, investing a portion of their you know um, marketing strategy in content creation uh, having social media LinkedIn YouTube or what have you platform or do you believe the old school classic I don't call old school the classic way of doing business still um, is good and can still generate enough you know uh, revenue for the, the company at hand what do you think what's your intake on that who I think it's really nuanced um, I don't know that there's a single objective answer to that question, but I'll give it my best shot. So I, okay. I think there is a time and place for certain industries or, or verticals um, and how they use digital content or a digital content platform, such as a YouTube or you know, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Let's stick with YouTube for the sake of this conversation, but it could be really any digital content hosting platform. I think some industries are probably more adept, are probably better suited to be have more and more content out there to engage with an audience and build a relationship in that way or start a relationship with a, with a potential client, potential mm -hmm. customer, or whoever. I think there's other industries where that may not be quite as um, appropriate. And, and when, when I say appropriate, I don't mean as an, it's a bad thing, but let's take right. healthcare as an example. If you saw a lot of doctors, I, there's a few on TikTok that I've followed that I think are hilarious, but if you saw a lot of doctors out there doing that, while that might be funny or it might be interesting, I don't mm -hmm. know that I'm not in healthcare, so I'm just winging this here, but I don't know that that would necessarily create the same sort of level of trust and confidence in, in people in various communities that a doctor may necessarily want to have. So just simply putting videos on YouTube in that way, unless they had their own private practice and it was part of their own private practice, if it was part of working for a hospital like a Kaiser's or a Sutter, home, a Sutter or a, a, you know, a John Muir or you pick any big mm -hmm. chain, I don't know that that may necessarily have exactly the, the, the benefit that they're actually looking for. Now, not saying it's a bad thing, but they may want to approach it in a different way, creating content right. a little bit differently than that, than just straight putting things on YouTube. But that said, you switch over, and I'm even noticing industries such as um, IT is an easy one to go to, so I'm not gonna talk about that at the moment, but um, <laughs> uh, because I think it's an obvious one that we could, that has just, there's nuance, but it, the, the answer is objectively yes. If you're, if you're a technology company and you are not actively either creating your own content on YouTube or allowing your employees to have the freedom to create very creative content on YouTube mm -hmm. as a representation of your brand, you are doing it wrong. I think that's full stop. Like, I don't care what part of the tech, what type of technology you produce, what industry you're in. If you are a tech company or more specifically an IT company like Cisco is or other big ones, and you are mm -hmm. not allowing either yourself, your corporate marketing groups, or having small like Skunk Works marketing groups, or even individuals like myself to go out and create these new ideas and put it out there, you are doing it wrong, period. Because everyone else is, and they're willing mm -hmm. to do it, and they're going to have build those relationships. They're second and third tier relationships where you're not getting a direct sale necessarily from it, but people connect with you. And if they connect with you and they feel attached to you, they're gonna wanna come to you, or you're gonna come to mind in conversation at their company, that's important. So I think other industries like I, that I'm noticing are actually doing a really good job with this that I never probably would have assumed is banking. I never really thought, I, I worked for a credit right. union for a while. I would have never thought of banking or finance in that way to be like watching them on YouTube. Why would I want to do mm -hmm. that? But there's a huge but, which is when you watch people on video, like podcasts are amazing, other mediums are great too, but when you watch someone on video, you instantly create a connection in your mind with them. Like you feel a personal connection because you're watching this. I'm looking at the camera. Somebody looking mm -hmm. at me, it almost 
subconsciously can feel like I'm talking directly to them. Right. And I've noticed with banking, it is such a critical part of everybody's lives. It's not one anybody wants to talk about because it's not fun and so it's not really enjoyable to say, <laughs> I have a bank at this company. But it's it's an important underpinning of everything we deal with in society. And I think it's um, – I think it's so interesting that those segments, both credit unions and traditional banks, even fi you know, financing banks, um, are willing to start putting themselves out on things like YouTube or do live streams where they can interact with potential clients and answer even like basic questions like, how do I refinance a home? How do I get into a thing? That's huge because so many people feel a, a disconnection from that industry. Like, I, it's not going to be safe for me to be there. That that industry can do right. themselves a lot of service by kind of exposing the, the open up the curtains a little bit and show them a little bit, show the audience a little bit, you know, their potential clients, the potential industry. And even if all it does is not bring in a customer, but get somebody feeling more comfortable about working with a bank, I think you've nailed it. So the shorter version is I say it's nuanced. I think the real part of that is. It is absolutely a, th a fact, I believe, that you need to be leveraging digital platforms. YouTube as an example, example for video hosting or others like this to monetize, create customer relationships, create general relationships for your industry. You need to be doing it. How you do it is nuanced. The mm -hmm. fact that you need mm -hmm. to do it, I think is, I would say it's indisputable. Anybody who tries to dispute it, I would, I would... I would really have I kind of questioned their their effectiveness in their business if they're saying, no, that's not something we want to do. I'd be like, mm, I don't know if I want to work with your business because whether you want to build the content or not, if you can see the value in it, that's important. How you right. build the value, that's a big conversation for your industry. But yeah, I think the answer really is that you need to be doing it. You just got to find the right way to do it for you. Fantastic. I mean, um, just to add to what you're saying, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you because as a branding expert, whenever I'm working with a brand or a new business owner or, you know, we're, where we're building a strategy for a brand new product or anything like that, that is something that we discuss every single time is not if you should do it. The, the thing is, you should do it. The question is how? What strategy, what medium is appropriate for the type of service uh, or product that you have? There are multiple mediums you can use, right? You have blog, you have podcast, you have video. Yeah, even in video, you have different type of video, right? You have the pre-recorded videos. You have the live streaming that we're doing today, which is leading to the segue of my next question, right? Now, we don't just have video. Now we have live streaming, which has taken a tangent now, right? Uh, everybody's now focusing on live streaming, in your opinion. Why is it that people are loving live streaming so much? And live streaming has been there for a long time, like for several right? years. <laughs> okay. I think it's, I think there's a couple of answers to this, or at least my opinion. There's a, there's a couple mm -hmm. things here. The first one is honestly, let's, let's be, let's be real here. It's, it's the new hotness. People see people out there, see the new hotness. Like, Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> we need to jump in. Cause everybody, our competitors jumping into this other person is, I think part of it is that. Okay. But putting that piece aside, cause th there's always going to be that sort of like, keeping up with the Joneses or the new mm -hmm. hot thing that's out there. You got to be the first adopter or what have you. Right. I think the, I think the reality is when you do live streaming, one of my favorite parts about doing live is you're going to make mistakes. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to flub or I'm going to drink some water on camera. Or I'm not going to look perfect on camera. You probably won't have the time or some of the time either. We can mask it, but who cares? Like if mm -hmm. I flub and I make a mistake or I misstate something, that's fine. That's the great part about live is that in pre-recorded video, it is really, really difficult mm -hmm. to rehearse content well enough that what you can say on camera comes across like you're being a real person and you're just talking like yourself. Like that takes actor level 
prep or at least somebody who's been done done it for a long time so you can just talk like yourself and do, you don't sound like you're reading from a teleprompter nothing's right. there's anything wrong with using a teleprompter but you don't want to sound like you're just reading something off a of screen i mean that's what professionals do on like the tonight shows and things like that but live streaming is great because you can't mask it like you're just gonna talk like yourself as a person if you embrace it and what i found so cool about that is and this for anybody out there who's thinking about doing video live video little secret mm -hmm. You can make mistakes and you should because your audience watching you on live, they connect with you better when you make a mistake because in their mind, they're like, oh my God, I don't know if I'd recover from that mistake. And then they see you go, oh, my bad, sorry. And you move on. They're like, oh, this person's just a person like me. <laughs> right. They may not think about it actively, but like that little thing in the back of their head is like, oh, wow, that person's just a human being like I am. They made a mistake. They said something weird and everyone laughed and they moved on. You, mm -hmm. you kind of feel like. I don't want to you know, assume everyone drinks, but like, let's say you were at a bar and you're hanging out and some people are talking, you're listening in and like these, these folks are really funny. And then they say something odd or funny and everyone laughs about it. You're like, Oh, they're just normal people like me, as opposed to like those people on stage that you kind of almost idolize a little bit. Mm -hmm. it, the live streaming mm -hmm. thing, I think actually reduces that idolatry a bit. So you feel a bit more just humanly connected to the person you're watching, which for me makes this so much more fun. It just really does. And then with live, like your folks, I'm watching the, some of the comments come through. We can pop that up. You can joke mm -hmm. with them. You can respond to it and laugh and be like, oh, hey, James, how you doing, man? It's good to see you on the stream. You can do that. And the person watching, then, you know, may sit back. Well, I mean, may, James, maybe Jeff, you're just an old hand. But like other people might watch and go, oh, my gosh, that person just said hi to me. Oh, wow. This is a, we're <laughs> right, really, right. I'm really here with this person. I think all of those psychological things create sort of a cognitive bridge between your audience and you as a person and you as a brand that you just is really hard to get from anything other than physically being in person on stage or in a, in a round table with people asking them questions. If you're going to do it digitally and you want to create that, that real connection, live streaming is like about the best way to do it, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really believe so, because um, like you just said, you know, a lot of those uh, prime time companies now are investing more into what? into having a unique connection with their client base, their subscriber base, their clientele, their, their following, right? Their potential new clients and customers. Why? It's all about the uniqueness of the relationship you can create with the people 100%. surrounding you. Well, think you about know? it. I mean, I think for yeah. anyone watching, and sorry to cut you off, but like- No, you're good. 100% agree with you, 100%. Because if you look at a company like Cisco, I'll just use that as a reference because I work mm -hmm. there. Look at a company like Cisco. If you're in this industry in any way, you know that there's a half a dozen other companies who sell very similar products that do a very similar thing to what we do. I may say all day long as a person who's in sales, I'm not, mm -hmm. but let's just say I was, ours is the best, just like everyone else is going to say theirs is. So how do you differentiate yourself in any industry if there's like 10 other people next to you doing the same thing, like selling the same kind of product? How do you, exactly. how do you set yourself apart? By building relationships with people. You, it's all about I mean, sales, marketing, advertising, PR, all these things are about you as an individual or as a company building a relationship with a person or a community, mm -hmm. a positive relationship that that person that goes, you know what, that's a company that I want to either spend my money with, spend my time with, give them my trust, whatever the adjective is. And I think live streaming specifically is such an invaluable tool in content creation for adding into that. because. By doing this, like you've done a couple times now, you've popped up a lower through someone's question or someone just saying hi. The fact that mm -hmm. we can interact with those folks live, oh my God, that builds such a great relationship right off the bat. Like even if it only lasts for the sake of this, this live stream, who cares? Like 
I get to talk to it. Like, you probably know this. How many times I tweet something about live, uh, like uh, Star Wars on Twitter, and the mm-hmm. person I tag in there, who's like a, a writer that I love, replies back and said, "Oh, I really love that." I'm like, oh, <laughs> that person tagged right, me in a tweet. Right. Like you just this little endorphin rush. You're like, oh my god, they know who I am. It feels really cool. Well, imagine what it happens does. on a live stream. You get to do that live. Like that is, it's just so rad. Yeah, I mean, there's something unique about it and talking about engaging with people. Right? That's what we're looking for, right? Engagement, right? The more engagement you get, the more traffic you bring into the door and the more conversion rate you're getting, right? You're increasing your conversion rate uh, and then you, you, you're selling more deals depending on what you're offering to the people or what type of live stream you have or what type of broadcast or content you're presenting to the people. It's all about that, right? But you will create that engagement, which is vital, literally vital to, in my humble opinion, any company today right because how i'm right here and i have people watching this live stream all the way from belgium from canada and i'm right here in in nashville tennessee think (laughs) about that only through this medium you can do things like that but not only you can do it you're doing it live that means that regardless of what time it is where they're located we are connected at the same time, having the same conversation, which is vital. Now, talking about live stream um, and people engagement in the comment, I want to say hello to some folks right there in the comment section. Like you mentioned earlier, we have James. Uh, hey, James, how's it going? We have Steve Worthy, Angelica Prather. Hello to you guys. Thanks for joining the live. Cree, Cree, Cree. I appreciate you being here. Major Tone. Uh, how's it going, Major Tone? And I'm loving what Angelica Prather is saying right there. She's saying that live stream stream is so much better to truly oh, connect gosh, with yes. people that's I my whole more, thing Angelica. you are you are so right it it's just you, the fact that you can interact with people and ask them questions and they can reply to you and you go oh and you literally have a conversation and they don't have to be live with you or don't have to be on the video with you oh my gosh like that's next to just sitting next to them in a room and having a conversation like and now talking it, about just, relationship you know talking about relationship though it is truly a relationship because whenever let's take a time a, a second and look at the actual word relationship right because a lot of times we gloss over that a relationship requires certain things in it right if i am in a relationship with you that means that i'm at least going to take some time to learn to study you what do you like where do you mostly spend your time what do you want to do what are you interested in right like i'm taking the time to truly learn to know you so as uh, the more i'm spending time with you the more i'm knowing you and the better i can serve you so as we're talking about relationship if you truly as a brand or a company or service you truly want to know what is the best way to serve the people or what do they truly like you gotta come live (laughs) you do you really do i I, you're totally right that relationships are bi-directional by the Mm -hmm. definition of the word it's two, it's, it's two or more people connecting in a particular way. And I think, let's, we'll put this out there for the sake of this conversation, that relationship, I think, too often gets conflated in common conversation with, um, like, something more intimate um, mm-hmm. in, in the sense of, like, a, like a couple relationship, it, it, if people know what I'm talking about. Right. I don't want to use other words than that, but I think that's a good generic. And that's not what it means. Relationship mm-hmm. is just you and another human being or you and a small group of human beings connecting with each other in either mutual interest or not mutual interest that you want to learn about each other, but you just enjoy the conversation you have. And so you start, like you said, want to learn more about those people. They want to learn more about you. You want to have some empathy for those things so you can care about them. All of that is super important. And 
by doing that, not just as, as a human, just as a person, just for the sake of having relationships, because that's amazing. Like, why wouldn't you just want to have a relationship with somebody? Um, I have a bit of a rant that I can go on about. Uh, that's kind of adjacent <laughs> to that. But um, I think I think for brands, your business, your business as a, any brand, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, is built off of relationships. It just is. Period. The, mm-hmm. the, it's the product you sell or manufacture or put out there in the ind- in the world for people to consume almost doesn't matter if you don't know how to build a relationship with other humans. It doesn't make any difference. You could build the best, you know, car tire in the world, but if you can't connect with people on a way that makes sense to them, you're never going to sell it. It doesn't matter how good it is. That's just, I mean, look at like Kodak is a good example of that. Like they had all these things. They, they were like the staple in the industry for cameras for so long and they completely missed the boat on digital, even though they invented the dang thing simply because (laughs) they didn't, they didn't have the right kind of relationship with the people that they served to go out and think to ask them, is this what you want? Should we be doing this? And they're like, nah, we're good. We're just going to pass. Who the heck knows who Kodak is these days? I mean, it's a blatant example, but I think it's a clear example that having that relationship and then trusting in it makes a big difference. Yes, will you make it mistakes? Does. Sometimes, of course you will, but that's not a big deal. Like you make mistakes and you move on. I mean, the Silicon Valley speak for that would be fail fast. That's oversimplification, <laughs> but like that's kind of the thing. Like try something. If it doesn't work, move on, but get that, use your relationships and work with those people that you know to better understand and inform what you might want to do next. Absolutely. That's why a lot of companies will spend uh, billions of dollars buying data, right? Uh, as for developers like you and I, we know what we're talking about, having the data, backend information, ha- you know, mm-hmm. people's habits and, uh, you know, priorities and different things in order to incorporate that into an application or uh, present that to a client, say, this is it. Uh, and, and then invest into a marketing strategy based on the data they collected from the company. Mm-hmm. This is vital. That's why people spend so much money. But organically, though, People change, people evolve, people think of different things, they get tired of things, they want new things. And how are you gonna know all that? Are you gonna keep spending billions of dollars trying to get that information? Or you're just gonna have a true organic relationship with the people you wanna serve, they will let you know. (laughs) It doesn't feel like that, it's so funny that you say that. um, Because it is not really funny, but I say it's funny to say that out loud because it feels like that shouldn't be rocket surgery for any Mm -hmm. individual or brand to figure out, but it seems like it's so hard for so many brands out there. You're like, you could have just asked, well, we didn't, you know, we don't really think the people need that. Really? Because I've talked to (laughs) X number of people who say that's exactly what we want. Look at any social media platform and that's what people say they want. You could just ask the people that you should have a relationship with what they are looking for and they'll probably Mm -hmm. tell you. It means that you're probably either not asking or you're not listening because that's not what you want to do or it's not what you want to hear. Okay, fine, but don't be surprised if the outcome you have is not what you were looking for. Correct. I mean, it's it, it's it's sort of the the reason I always when I've mentored people uh, early in career folks at work and they ask questions about like, oh, well, I was thinking about going to a networking event. This is pre-pandemic. Go to a networking event, whatever else. And I'm like, well, if you want some advice on how to, or some input on how to do that, I'll tell you, I'll give you my my, <laughs> right. my viewpoint. But I would tell you first off, if you wanted my real opinion, don't go to networking events. I, I mm-hmm. don't go to networking events ever. Um, and the re- simple reason for it for me is they're 100% selfish activities. Um, and I don't mean, I, I don't want anybody listening in to, to think, what do you mean, Jeff? I don't go there for selfish reasons. I'm not, you make it sound bad, and I don't mean that. What, what I mean by that is most networking events I've ever been to are I'm going there to meet other people because I might need something in the future. Hand out business cards, those sorts of activities. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's inherently bad, but for me, my preference is to build a relationship with people. I am not going to get that by standing around a room having a couple of cocktails and handing out business cards. That's not how right, relationships right. form for me. They never, right. ever have. 
Um, right. There's got to so be I, a mutual interest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, 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 because not everyone there is going to want to meet with you. And if mm-hmm. that's all you're there for, I feel like that's not the foundation for a relationship. That's that's a very self two selfish people who are there for selfish reasons trying to get something from the other person. Maybe it works out for you. If it does, I mean, fantastic. I would not going to judge you for it. But what really helps are relationships. Finding ways to establish relationships with those people by providing them something that is meaningful to them, they provide something back. And will that eventually turn into something beneficial for both of you? Yes. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a sale. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a hundred other things. The relation, Having the relationship is beneficial no matter what. And if it ends up in something like a sale or something else like that to your business, fantastic. But if you go into it looking for that, I personally think you're going in it for the wrong reason. Go in it for the, the sake of having the relationship. And that can start to change, I think, and like influence the content you create because if you go into it like i'm creating this content like you simply to help other people and expose them to people that do this and their perspective so you might learn something and it might motivate you or it may tell you like jeff i see your setup and i want nothing to do with that that's not at all what i want (laughs) hey that's fine you learn something you learn something because you watch it you know what i learned what i don't want to do or what i do want to do or it motivated me to do a thing that i was thinking about i think that's the power of relationships if you go into it just by what are you going to give to me you're never really going to get what you're looking for yeah i mean that's just how it is i appreciate that i'm about to switch the conversation a little bit because as you know we got to talk about passion today uh we've been mostly on business now let's talk about passion right um we were we were discussing this earlier right um passion a lot of people have passion i don't know any content creator that's not passionate right or you should be if you're not (laughs) right uh it takes passion to keep going now we, at least the folks that um, are passionate about content creation or, you know, uh, this ecosystem of uh, sharing a story, telling uh, somebody what uh, their story is, what, what they're doing and painting a picture. At the same time, have professional life, have businesses and have uh, responsibilities. The question is a lot of times, which one should take over, if any, or how should you, uh, again, deal with this relationship between both passion and business? What's your intake? How did you do it? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's like one of my favorite questions to answer. Um, <clears throat> so a little bit of context. Uh, one of the, my favorite people to listen to um, give presentations and things um, or read his books is a guy named Adam Grant. He works for the Wharton School based out of the University of Pennsylvania. He's a mm-hmm. organizational psychologist. Just, just okay. a little context there. Um, he has a lot of content out. I, I don't want to plug too heavily because that's not really part of the story, but <clears throat> he's the first person who first turned me onto this concept of I actually don't ascribe to anything related to balance. I don't actually think of anything in the in the context of balance, or I really try hard not to. But I'll explain what I mean. Is I don't think you can ever um, strike a balance between the things you said: passion, uh, professional life, life, personal things. There is no such thing as balance. I, everyone, because I think, and I'll get to what I mean here. But everyone, I think contextualizes the idea of balance as like the scales of themis like these two scales as being holding you're like got to find a happy middle ground i don't think it's possible what i think that i what he described and i, I really ascribe to this is think of it like a sheet of music it, let's give it a uh, let's give a con a period of time let's say one month you're thinking of your mm-hmm. life the things that you do your your passions your work etc as a sheet of music um or not a sheet of music but a, a like a musical score a song that you love and if you think of, if you think, picture a sheet of music, you don't need to know much about it. But when you look at all the all the different bars in those pages, and I'm probably using the wrong nomenclature, but if you look at every <laughs> note, notes go high and low, and they stay low, and they stay high, and they and they pike, and they spike, and they they wave, they ebb, and they flow. But at the end of it, when you play that song, 
it's a song. It sounds great. You enjoy listening to it. I think for me, the way that you look at it is in the way if you view these things as a rhythm, you're trying to find a rhythm in your life. And having a rhythm means there are going to be days when your professional life takes completely over for a couple of days because something happened and you've just got to focus. That's part of your job and you got to do that. Other mm-hmm. days, you may have a loss or a happy family time. You're like, you know what? I need to step. I just need my brain's going to be focused a little bit more over here on this passion that I'm super excited about because and work is just in a little bit of a lull so I can let myself go do it. Or your kids need some more attention or whatever. There's going to be these rhythmic ebbs and flows that occur. What you're shooting for is over a longer stretch of time, like a week, a month, longer than a week, like a month, two months, six months. Did you create a rhythm for yourself that allowed you to live and be a human being every single day? I think that's what's most important. The passion piece of it for me is the underpinning of everything that you do. So the way that I like to coach people when I'm I'm working with them is, we talked about this pre-show is, I don't ever tell someone, do what you love. And I I think that's a, I'm just gonna say, I think it's a load of crap. I think it's a terrible thing to tell people. (laughs) Don't go do what you love. I, I have two stories, both short, we joked about this. I love playing disc golf. I'm not going to go do that professionally because I'm not going to have the life that I want if I play disc golf professionally. Sure, would I love playing disc golf? For a while, probably. But I have other creative outlets I want to go explore and that I'm going to burn out. Um, I have a story of a family member who years and years ago told my dad that, you know, he loved fishing. He absolutely loved fishing. Deep sea fishing was his jam. And one day he he retired and he said, I'm going to open up a sort of deep fishing, deep sea fishing charter. (laughs) <laughs> got a, bought a couple got a loan bought a couple boats did this whole thing and after like a couple years of it he and my dad were talking about it's like ah do you love it he goes no i hate it i don't fish anymore <laughs> i run a business i don't right. get to fish i have to run a business and that's an extreme situation but what it reminded me of is doing what you love is a really good way to start burning out on the things that you love now the for me what i love doing is saying okay what is it about disc golf as an example that i love doing what are the things about it that I'm passionate about? Usually do it with other people. I love being around other people and doing something collectively together towards a common outcome. Um, I love socializing and I love teaching people who haven't done it before. I love getting outdoors and doing those things. Okay, well, those things I'm passionate about. How can I take those things and put them into whatever it is I'm doing? Personal life or work. And I think that's the most important part is it over your life, you're going to start discovering your passions will change, but discovering what are your passions? What what are the things you actually, what are what about a thing that you do? Are you actually passionate about? Is it connecting with a person? Is it doing an activity? Is it teaching? Is it supporting? Whatever. If you can find a way to take those passions, that, that energy with you into whatever you do professionally, it doesn't matter the job title that you have or the role that you're in. You can bring that piece of you with you. And so when you hear people say in business, oh, you bring your authentic self. Nobody knows what that really means. So bring my thing. Okay, I'll wear a tank top to work every day. That's not obviously <laughs> what people really mean by that. Right. Like, I wore flip-flops and I carried a surfboard. Is that really what anyone meant by that? No. Mm-hmm. But it's such an abstract term. How do you wrap your head around it? The way I think you wrap your head around it is like, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about Star Wars. And you can see them in the background of my, my shed. I got Star mm-hmm. Wars and I love bobbleheads and these geeky things. I love these things. Okay. So I bring them with me into everything that I do. Do I sit here and talk about my background? Or do I go into this industry? No, but does that matter? Really doesn't. I just, I get to bring these parts of myself with me to everything I do, which makes me feel better about everything that I do. So I can be more passionate. I can bring things that influence me into the work that I do. And it makes that more fun. It makes that more enjoyable. It makes people have a better time when they're around me and we do these things together, I hope. 
Um, <laughs> for me, that's kind of the key is start like starting to discover what your passions are, realizing they will evolve over time, and then trying to bring those that energy for your passions with you into the things that you do, so that you're always doing the things you, the way you love to do them. You're not always going to love the job that you have, or there's points in a job that you have that you're not going to love. But if you can do them in the ways that you enjoy and bring yourself into that, I think it makes it more meaningful. And then you personally can feel more satisfied in whatever it is you're doing. That is so fantastic the way you put it. Uh, my takeaway is, guys, you simply need to find a way to incorporate your passion into your business, aka your purpose in life. And once you find that perfect balance, you got the solution. Jeff, we've gotten to the end of our show. I want to ask you how we can connect with you before I do that. Let me run this ad. We'll be right back. Stay with me. Hi, I'm Lenita Holston, owner of Excellence Brainery. And my personal motto is excellence in everything, every time. And when I tell you, JP and his team embody excellence. Everything from the customer experience to uh, the beginning of the proposal submission to starting the project, detailing me about updates on the project, turning over the project. My, I guess the, the part that I love was not only were every element of my production for my live stream was it upgraded, it was actually explained to me. received a tutorial on how to implement and the importance of what I was implementing. So I got the product and I got knowledge around the product. It's the knowledge transfer for me. Teach me how to fish. I feel like JP and his team did that exceptionally well. I'm exceptionally pleased. And my expectation for those that I work with going forward in um, digital media, marketing, uh, production elements. My expectation has been raised. The bar has been raised. And you know, if my motto is excellence in everything, every time, uh, the extent, the standard has been raised pretty high. So thank you. Thank you, JP and your team for just doing what you do exceptionally well. And those kinds of persons are so hard to find. So if you're considering working with JP, I wouldn't even use the word consideration. Go ahead and get your coins together so that you can be excellent in everything, every time. <laughs> All right, Jeff, I love this conversation. I felt you and I, we can keep going at this for the next hour, but totally. we got to be respectful of your time and our viewers' time as well, listeners' time as well. And I'm like, geez, man, I know a bunch of folks who are going to want to connect with you just to see the awesome things you're doing and, you know, continue the conversation or what have you. Um, how can they do that? What are the places and spaces you spend most of your time, Jeff? Oh, thank you so much. And again, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone who's been in the chat. I've been watching it. I can't interact, but that's okay. I, I just thank you all <laughs> for being here. Let me just wax poetic for, you know, an hour. Um, you can find me pretty much on any social platform, including TikTok at, at Jeff Bull Tech. So J-E-F-F-B-U-L-L -L Tech. Um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, you know, everywhere. Um, you can also find me at um, YouTube. So YouTube 
slash the normal stuff slash Jeff, Jeff will tech. You'll find my page there. I'm actively spinning off a new um, YouTube channel. My buddy and I do a star Wars live stream every Thursday night, which is just fun to do. So that's going to be moving to its own channel. It's called the Kessel chat. We'll be moving that off so I can refocus my YouTube channel on more of this type of content because it's just fun to do. And JP, again, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Anyone feel free to reach out if you have questions or you want to talk or tell me how wrong I was about something. I'm more than happy to talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I know they're going to love it. Jeff, stay backstage. Don't go anywhere. Let's go ahead and close it out with the folks here. All right, folks, this is the end of this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for connecting uh, with us on this episode. If you appreciate it, I want to ask you to go ahead and share this with a friend or family member that is a creator, literally anybody that is in content world, creating content, writing a book, starting a business, uh, podcasting, doing videos, a YouTuber, um, you know, cinematographer, live streamer, you name it, need this series that we're releasing every week so go ahead and share with a friend or family member and of course um if you have not joined me on youtube yet come on my youtube channel uh which is jp high tech reviews or go straight to youtube.com forward slash jp high tech reviews or go to my website simple jp high tech.com um and you will connect with me there and let's grow together let's make amazing things and i want to hear from you if this has blessed you please send me a message all right go to my website send me a message on jpitech.com let me know how this is doing for you put a comment in the comment section say something uh let me know how you're feeling and let's all transform this world be blessed and i'll see you guys next time for another episode you be safe like i always say shalom bye bye guys. <laughs>